0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hi, Shift listeners. Okay, I'm doing an intro just because I had planned to do an episode this week on what is a crime, uh, you know, with, like, sexual assault and harassment uh, because I think that's like a big problem in our society. A lot of us don't know what is an actual crime versus what isn't. So I was going to do a whole episode on that, but I'm going to actually push that till next week because I had put out an Instagram post and so many people had messaged like, stuff that, that had happened to them and they didn't realise it was a crime at the time. So I still need to filter through a lot of that. And this week was just absolutely insane because I was in LA and then I was back. And yeah, so thank you guys so much. But what I'm going to do for this episode was... I have a podcast on another podcast app called uh it's called Colin and I just do episodes about living cheap in New York City. But my friend who was on today, her name is Chansu, she was absolutely amazing and we kinda went off a bit of the topic and talked more about uh mental health a lot at the end and I thought that was so interesting and kinda leads on from the episode with Maria Wojikowski because um Chansu, not only is she a comedian, but she's a neuroscientist. So I was like, okay, I kind of want to put this episode on both. So it wouldn't be just on my Living Cheap podcast. It'd be on this uh, shift as well. And so the start of it, we just talk about her moving over from the UK um, to uh, New York. And we talk a little bit about Living Cheap and how expensive it is here. But then we actually just talk about, you know, how we find America as immigrants. And then she explained a lot about her uh being a neuroscientist and uh her phd is in like uh f- studying oh god i'm forgetting the word for it oh but anyway she talks about psychosis and oh schizophrenia and she talks about psychosis and like weed and the effects of weed and when your brain is fully developed so super interested the only thing is that we did record this over a phone app so it's like uh, it's not like the usual um zoom recorder so the audio might not be a as good at certain times and but I know you guys are used to that from when we were doing zoom episodes uh online so I figured it wouldn't be that big of an issue and yeah and she's just great as well so it'd be nice to put her on both platforms as well like she's super interesting great guest so really excited for you guys to hear this as well and I'm not even sure if any of you guys have that especially for the non-american listeners might not have that app so might not have a chance to listen to that on the living cheap so it's nice to to bring the two worlds together. Um but yeah please go follow her everything everywhere. Not everything, sorry. Everywhere. Online, obviously, not in real life. And um uh sign up to Patreon, Patreon forward slash the shift podcast. Obviously there won't be a video for this episode, but there'll be a video next week when I do the uh crime episode. So uh yeah and if you have any, if anybody else has any stories and you want to email in contact the shift at gmail.com or any guests you'd like me to get on. Um, and yeah, so uh, enjoy this episode so starts off about talking about living cheap and then yeah completely kind of went into more of a topic for the shift but uh, I love you guys and uh yeah I will talk to you next week perfect thank you so much yeah thank you I thought um you'd be a great guest for this because obviously this podcast is like loosely around like Well, not loosely, it is around being like living cheap in New York City, but sometimes Mm -hmm. like you can go a little off topic. But I thought because you just moved to New York City from the UK, right? Yeah. Yeah. That We could talk a bit about that and how much it costs and if there was any advice you could give for anybody who's going to move from a different country like around now, because last time I moved was last time as if I've done it multiple times. But when I moved was like nearly eight years ago.
2: Yeah, if I should, if I would give any advice to someone moving to New York City, I would just say, don't.
1: I know, me too. And then you get, (laughs) and then you get stuck here and you're like, all your friends are like, wow, look at you living the dream. and You're like, fuck, now I have to stay here. (laughs) Yeah, you have
2: to stay, you have to make it look really glamorous, which it isn't at all. It's just all a front. It's just really good propaganda.
1: It is. That's what I say. I say. Um, I have this bit that I'm working on now, where I say like how, in because in every other country, in every other country, we see America like uh, sort of portray themselves as this like great country, and like it's the come and live the American dream. And then when we get here, Americans are like, go away. We don't like you. <laughs> and like, what the fuck? Why? Why did I? And then you're like, I know. For me, especially anybody who lives like in. Europe uh I just never thought about how like lucky we have with like healthcare and stuff like that Absolutely. Oh, like I'm I have um so much savings just in case I like fall over here <laughs> like I'm terrified so my
2: plan is uh if I fall over here I'll go home
1: yeah
2: and I get treated there
1: yeah I am um... I remember I got, uh, I actually should probably introduce you quickly before we go, but uh, it's Chansu. How do you pronounce your last name? Because I don't want to fuck it up. Carabi. Oh, wow. Okay. I would have fucked that up. (laughs) So I'm glad. Um, Actually, it's funny because my Irish name is, which I never use. You just use it in school, in primary school, but it's like Cachi Nivuela. And it's the the Nivuela is spelled N-I and then B-H. So I'm just like, oh, thank God that isn't my actual name. Or the Americans just would have been like, what the fuck?
2: Yeah, no, for me, it's been like all my life. (laughs) Denmark, UK, the US. People are always like, wait, your name is Jansu, but it's with a C. How? Wait, that doesn't make sense. It's like it's a different alphabet. Like people pronounce things differently in different
1: places. But it's so difficult for people to understand. And it is so true cuz even like um so in Ireland the Irish name so like a uh, a C and a an I would be a K so Killian but Killian Murphy is like a famous mm. actor but no American can pronounce his name they all be like oh my god I love that actor Cillian Murphy and I'm like <laughs> what <laughs> It's so funny. But yeah no I uh I when I first moved over here I had to get three stitches and it was just when my like travel insurance had run out because I was like on a student visa, but that only covered like a short term travel insurance. And so I didn't really understand the whole thing, but it was three grand to get the stitches cost. And now I didn't pay for it. I refused to. I kind of threatened that I would leave the country and I got it haggled down, but it would have been cheaper for me to for me to fly home, which is actually insane. When you that think is about so it.
2: wild. Yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm on a good um, I have a good plan with my work so uh, like an insurance plan but i know that if if something happens i will have to just go home cuz you know mm-hmm. you're a comedian and not like we we we're, we're not people that make a lot of money so how are you <laughs> ever going to pay for that
1: 100% and then my, i feel awful for americans in one way because uh well at least in that way like i was even thinking like if i ever got pregnant i would just go home for like 4 mm. months of the pregnancy have the baby in ireland be sorted uh <laughs> come back whatever yeah. But I do like any time you meet an American here, they're in so much debt. If it's that they had hospital debt or they have college debt, it's like everybody here. It's just normal to be in debt, which is like my nightmare.
2: It's so upsetting. It's it's sad. I mean, we definitely are so privileged that we can just be like, yeah, I'll just fuck off home. You know, I'll just be sorted out. And I definitely feel that way. Um, But it's so sad that there's so many people here who just can't
1: like they're stuck in this mess yeah and so when you um when you moved over uh so you came you went from Denmark to the UK how long were you living in the UK for
2: for seven years oh wow okay yeah yeah it definitely felt like home towards the end I didn't want to leave it it felt more like a home than Denmark did to be honest Mm -hmm. um and then when I when I left I had been a student there so I had no savings I think I had like three thousand pounds and I thought that would be that would be sufficient
1: (laughs) that was like one deposit I know it was nothing that's so funny because I came over with the same I came over with like uh I think it was like four thousand euro and that was like I thought I had all the money in the world and (laughs) same it was gone in a first month's rent because deposit rent and last month's rent he asked for it and I was like oh my god I only have a thousand euro and no job yeah
2: I went out with some friends one day just like a week after I came friends who were living in New York and in one day I spent like 400 i was like oh okay i have no money this is what i that's when i realized that it was that that it was gonna be really rough here Uh, it was in my first week yeah and i I asked my boss i was like listen i've been a student my whole life uh i'm I'm supposed to furnish this place and pay for deposits and i have like i don't come from trust fund i have no savings and he just like wired me three thousand dollars i was like search yourself out
1: it's like yeah okay he's, that's a good person yeah he's great he's great but obviously he also brought you over here so he has to have like he probably felt like some responsibility to you of being like okay yeah, i'm gonna like invest in her now right i think so because
2: it's like you know you ask people to move over to new york it's this grand place and it's sort of just an illusion right mm-hmm. so i i think i do think he felt a bit responsible
1: yeah, because even, like, that, like, three or four grand uh, in Ireland and the UK would go so far, I feel.
2: Absolutely, oh yeah. Oh, God. Absolutely. Here it was, I mean, furnishing a place. I also just completely underestimated that, uh, how much it takes to actually fill up a, an apartment with stuff yeah. that you need, uh, starting from scratch, you know. Um, because I never had to do that. I would always, I moved around to many countries, but literally the only thing I had to buy again and again was a
1: duvet and linen, you know? Yeah, same. In Ireland, it's always furnished. Yeah. F- f- sorry, furnished. <laughs> <laughs> furnished? So. uh Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't even know what that word means. Does that mean like fire? Yeah. It's always on fire. We all- burn people. That's Yeah, yeah. But no, um, no, 100%. Like, did you, and even for you, I feel like, When you first come here, when you're moving to an unfurnished place, you don't know about how like you can go and pick up furniture off the street. Because I didn't learn that until like a couple of years in. And now like my apartment, my apartment now is pretty much all stuff like off the street bar, like things like bed and couch. But for the most part, like and so you can get really good stuff. But I didn't know that when I moved over. Mm. So we had to like the same as you kind of furnish it. And it was so expensive. Oh, God, it was such hell
2: yeah i was lucky that there was a july 4th sale right around the time i moved like you the americans go crazy with sales when it's a holiday that is wild to me like why is july 4th why does it have anything to do with you know furniture at wayfair i i don't get it but uh, that's i had to exploit that when i came and yeah that whole idea of picking up things on the street that was just so uncomfortable for me the thought of doing that I still haven't gotten used to it. I, I've never done that because I, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, Um honestly i know like the same thing like how it could feel gross because if something's on the street in ireland it's because somebody weed on it or (laughs) there's it's riddled in disease or like yeah yeah, it's not but some of my best finds have been off the street and that's actually because i moved in with someone who she's from peru originally but she lived here since she was 13 and she was like no street finds are the best (laughs) and so like all of her like furniture was and it was like nice furniture was from the street and you can go to like like because rich people well that's the thing. okay everything you said like about the july 4th sales and the sales and all this stuff because it's such a consumerist country and then mm-hmm. rich people mm-hmm. just rotate their stuff within like maybe six months so if you go to williamsburg you're gonna get like a nearly like a brand new tre- chest of drawers uh just on the street on a wednesday that's going out for trash like it's wild because oh, they just have so much money they do not know what to do with it gosh yeah that's so real that's such an
2: american thing like the whole having so much money that you don't know what to do with it that i it always baffles me how that inequality that disparity the yeah. wealth disparity and housing how much things cost that don't don't need to cost that much you know like you go to a bar and or a restaurant that where the food might cost you $1000 for a meal but you're like this stuff should never cost that much cuz it it's not right like it the cost yeah. isn't that much ever but yeah, people just want to spend their money,
1: and then there's such a like. Okay, so if you even mention like, oh, um, you know, like anything like socialism, because they link it to communism, and then there's such a fear of communism yeah. in this country. So they're like, no, our meals should cost a hundred dollars. That chef, <laughs> that chef is living his dream, and you're like, shut the fuck up. That's no, <laughs> nobody needs this much money, and it's yeah, you're right. I've never, I've never seen as poor because I didn't even realize. I guess Ireland is um, like pretty socialist in a way. Mm-hmm. And so I've never seen that poor. And then when I first moved over, I lived with like a distant, distant cousin in Greenwich. And I've never seen that rich. I couldn't get over it. It was like uh-huh. my. And again, no one needs that much money. But yes. yeah. And to think that like neighborhoods like so Williamsburg, you can go and pick up all these. Like I used to babysit in Williamsburg. So it's like obviously like very, very rich families in certain area and then you only have to take the train like 15 minutes out to East New York where a lot of people are qu- quite struggling and it's like mm. s- crazy that that's like so close to each other absolutely
2: yeah yeah The it's it's kind of shocking that that shift is
1: so much I've never seen that anywhere else definitely yeah yeah because in Ireland there's like a rich area like in Dublin there's like a rich area and then you can go and then there's like a working class area but I feel like there's a lot of like we have like a really good unemployment system and like it's mm-hmm. being called a dole, so you're never no people are never really like fucked the way they are here, and then free healthcare and all of that stuff. So yeah, I just sure. yeah in Denmark too. It was
2: it's always growing up, you can never really tell who was wealthy or who wasn't because because of you know how much there's a disposable income, everyone could sort of afford. The basics you know uh no one's really that poor not the way yeah. it, not what poor means here so growing up i could never tell who was wealthy because you know when he we went to high school it was a mixed group of people so uh when we graduated there's this there's this custom in denmark when you graduate high school you're all on this truck and you go around visit each person's home and you just have a blast like it's a whole day where all the high school students are out and it's so much fun Um, and only when we did that so that was three years of high school I realized that some of my classmates had been like incredibly wealthy (laughs) and we just never realized
1: it's like the secret millionaire yeah this whole time (laughs) that's the exact same in Ireland as well I would never know someone was wealthy in my school until you went to their home and I'm like whoa you have like multiple rooms here this is what two (laughs) toilets
0: (laughs) um but yeah
1: or, or maybe like uh well, what what was the other thing I was gonna say as well about there was something else about Ireland with wealth that you wouldn't I just don't even think that the rich can get as rich as here. There's no one percent or whatever. Um mm. or close. So everybody in Ireland, no matter what your status, shops in a store called pennies. So like there's no like and everybody in Ireland, even if you're wealthy, you're like, Oh my god, I got this great deal. Like you kinda of brag about when you get things like, you know, you're, it's not like whereas here you can tell who's wealthy because they're wearing like a, a specific like brand also in ireland i feel like it's embarrassing to show off your wealth like it's it's seen as like rude and maybe seen as a bit like imperialist british yeah so i think it's like in us not to do that so like if someone was rich you wouldn't really see them wearing like uh i can't even think of a, like a rich fashion brand right now but i'm i just you know like here they have the bag they show off with like the yeah Yeah, you wouldn't really see that in Ireland. Or if you did see someone with like a bag and you were like, oh, is that real? They'd be like, oh, no, no, it's fake. You know, (laughs) like. (laughs) Yeah, in Denmark,
2: it's like that as well. There's this law called the law of Yende, which means like it's a humility law. It's unwritten and it's everyone in society needs to abide by this humility law. So you don't show off. You don't talk about your accomplishments. You don't show off your wealth. And that's also why like, in Denmark, people are really bad at writing applications, I think, for like international jobs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just don't know how to, how to sell ourselves in that way. That was like a huge thing for me when I moved to the UK and I was up against all these Americans for a scholarship. Yeah. <laughs> it was so wild because they really learn salesmanship here, like at university, in college. They learn that. We, we definitely don't. And that just comes from the social concept of
1: being humble and yeah. like a heart of socialism. It's so true because Irish people are terrible at selling themselves as well. Like if they were in an interview here and someone was like, "Oh, like, and so what's your greatest skill?" They'd be like, "Oh, like, I'm just, you know, I'm okay, you know." (laughs) And and not not good at like selling yourself. That was something I had to really like when I was posting, like stand up on Instagram and all that stuff, being like, "Okay, I gotta ignore my embarrassed." Uh, Irishness and just put myself Mm. out there because here they're instilled with a self-confidence that is like wild like in Ireland your parents kind of shut that out of you because they're like oh Like, they'll be like, oh, like, don't be too big in your boots or don't be like thinking you're too good or whatever. And then here the parents, like, you're the best in the whole universe. (laughs) It's like such a difference. And I think like we could all like meet in the middle. I think Irish should be a little like, ah, if you want to go chase your dream, go for it. Like, put yourself out there. And then here they could be like, because I think the problem with them telling them that they're the best and they can do everything is that then there's like such a downfall when they aren't and it could be like you might be the best and you might not but don't worry mm-hmm. about it you know
2: yeah. <laughs> just do you anyway yeah my mom always like very self deprecating culture as well my mom would always go um if i was if i if i wasn't like abiding by something she'd be like oh you think you're better than us just because you're in college you know it's always that thing of like putting you down a little bit so you
1: keep your feet on the ground yeah don't become this like obnoxious person but
2: yeah I remember
1: when I was small there was like a picture of me as a baby I was probably like 10 or something and then my my neighborhood's friend was in and we were looking at the baby and I was like oh my god I was so cute as a baby and then afterwards I got in so much trouble my mother was like you can't say that that's like you have have to be humble you know you don't know she might have been an ugly baby so that could be offensive (laughs) to her and I'm like what the fuck
2: (laughs) Yeah, you have to spare the uggos, Katie. Yeah, you gotta (laughs) spare the uggos. (laughs) That's so funny. But yeah, I need to do the whole like picking up, picking up furniture on the street thing. I need to go walk around, you know, upper Upper East Side, Upper West Side, and just look for things. I just never am like, how do you take it home though? You you see a chest of drawers, how do you pick that thing up and take it home?
1: You need to... De- like, I took everything with my roommate. So if we saw something, we would run back and get it. This is where we live in Astoria. Or one time, my boyfriend carried, like, a big thing home for me. And it was funny. It was, like, a a, sh- a bookshelf that is, like... Uh, at an angle, it's not right, but I just really liked it, and mm. so it's now in my bedroom, but like up against the thing, so it doesn't fall over <laughs> but uh, but it's still on a bit of an angle. Everything I have is on a bit of an angle to be honest, but uh, I think you can make a day of it, so maybe if like you and Sabine wanted to go around and me, I'll come with you but like I think if you get a few friends and just be like look i need a we need to find the trash day and we need to pick up some stuff, and I need your help because you can get some gems like Especially yeah. in the rich area. Yeah, Upper East Side would be a great place to hit. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: I found also uh, this charity shop, not charity, just secondhand a thrift shop in uh, on the Upper West Side around like 80th Street. It was so good. Like all the stuff I found in there were just amazing. And I think that was like the only thrift shop I've been in here where I've actually been really impressed with the stuff that, that was in. Do you remember the name of it? I don't remember the name. I can definitely find find the address and send it to you. Oh, great! It was yeah, It around like Amsterdam or Columbus, and somewhere in the eighties.
1: Yeah, I think that's such a good idea to go into thrift stuff, thrift shops in like rich areas because rich people just and it makes them feel good about themselves too. So there's a, lot, yeah. there's a lot of that's their little bit of like resolving their guilt. They're like, oh, I'll give my Prada whatever to this charity shop, so you can get some good stuff. You could get some really good stuff up there. Everything I bought, like, like, leather jacket for, like, $15. I did this, uh, I was just, like, I'll look up online and see um, whenever there's, like, sales. So, like, yesterday, this website, like, Sun had, like... Like one day only fifty percent off, but then there was like, oh, if you use this coupon and if you sign up to the rewards, so I got like an extra fifteen percent off because the coupon, and then I got an extra five dollars off because the rewards. So I'll always do things like that, like find the day that they're like doing their sale, and even if it's because it's usually stuff that's out of style for Gen Z. I'm a millennial; that's still style for me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) like they're getting rid of all the high-rise pants because these young girls don't want to wear high-rise anymore they want to wear low-rise
2: that's me so much
1: i will never wear low-rise again
2: we're not going back (laughs) never again i can't
1: (laughs) i want to feel comfortably bloated in my pants right
2: (laughs) yeah you want to squeeze that like for me personally i need that muffin top to be in (laughs) You know, not like hanging over something.
1: Yes. No, 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 God. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think for our age group, uh, there's great sales now.
2: <laughs> I did this thing I'm not really proud of, but um, if I'm going to go, let's say, H&M, I need all the basics. I sort of create a new um, email account and then I can get the 20% discount because then you, you can start a new
1: membership. Yeah, that's great. That's not bad. That's great. I have so many emails from doing stuff like that from getting remember Netflix used to give a free month. I had like 10 <laughs> emails just to get like a free month each time, but then they canceled it. And they don't do it anymore. I think it's cuz of people like me. Oh,
2: uh, yeah. Some places have like they check your IP address. So, oh, it can tell if it's the same com- if it's the same one or like the same computer or something like that. They can they can actually see it, but yeah, with with uh, with shops like H&M you can totally just get away with it and I do that it's like new running gear I go to Nike and start a new email address just so that I can get
1: that's so smart yeah life hacks for poor people yeah and Nike and Adidas or like for people who want to buy clothes uh that I feel that will last like a run like what's it called like sports places because mm-hmm. they last they like la- they're built to like for you to run in I'm not running in them I'm just wearing them to walk around they <laughs> They yeah. last me last years yeah
2: yeah I run in them and they
1: still last for years <laughs> <laughs> and wait I wanted to ask you when you moved to Britain and then before you moved here were you uh, worried about the stuff with Brexit being a European
2: yeah absolutely well I didn't know about Brexit Brexit was not on the radar when I moved it was really interesting because I left Denmark So I left Denmark in 2013. I went to study abroad in California. And then I went to Portugal as an extension, as a part of my master's. And then I really felt disenfranchised from Denmark just because it's like a really racist country. And so when I came back, I was like, I'm going to move abroad. I'll just rather be a foreigner and be treated like a foreigner in a country where I'm a foreigner, you know, my own country. So I moved to the UK and then like um, within the next year, they had the whole Brexit thing, and no, it wasn't it wasn't like a huge concern because, um, well, I guess it was like I, I, we we didn't know what was gonna happen whether all of all of us other Europeans would just be sent home, but they sort of made us feel like oh it'll take ages before it's actually in effect, and it wasn't actually in effect until I left. I was it got into effect in January I think 2021, and I left in May
1: and would that have a would that have
2: affected you if you would have wanted to stay on there well i got because i had been there for a while i got like a um leave a, a remain thing uh, i i forgot what it's called but it was like a status on my um on oh, my, like a
1: per, like a permanent resident type of thing
2: kind of thing yeah you're not a permanent resident but you have leave to stay basically oh that's great yeah, so all of we all got that basically. We just had to it was kind of a crazy thing. So when they said, "Okay, now we have to apply for this thing and we have to it has to, we have to be legally in the country in that way." So we applied and there was a whole mess where anyone who applied from let's say Oxford University, we got it in a day. And people who are just like regular like working people, it took them weeks to get it. Jesus. So it was really messed up like the Home Office definitely showed preference to people of a certain you know like what they consider class right yeah it, it was so ridiculous and there was there was a big i think there was a, a big article about that when it when it was happening um they were definitely just like bullying people working in the country you know yeah
1: yeah it's awful the whole thing it's really scary for any immigrant when you go anywhere like how quickly things can change like even coming to america everybody's also like okay Gotta get my visa. Gotta get my permanent resident. Gotta get my green card before this mm. before something happens. That's so wild. Yeah, I was very adamant that I would not
2: move to the U.S. if Trump won again. Yeah, and that was that would have been yeah. I I wanted to come out here. I knew I wanted to live in New York, but if Trump had won again, there was no way I would come out here because like that's the uncertainty, right? Not not feeling safe, feeling this like normalizing, kind of legalizing hate speech it's just
1: horrifying yeah and for people who are on like uh student visas and work visas if you weren't on the if you didn't have a permanent resident card or a green card a lot like a lot of my friends who were brought over here to do phds or to work post their phd in like clump uh what's called columbia and nyu were stuck Mm -hmm. here for and even with the pandemic so it was kind of fine but they were kind of like in this in between like while they were waiting to find out but they couldn't leave the country because they didn't have like an actual uh green card. it was uh, very stressful for them for the two years
2: yeah i bet yeah i'm on something like that now too where uh yeah it has to i, I couldn't i couldn't get the visa i'm on when covid was happening i had to have like a special permission oh in order- yeah yeah That was like a weird COVID thing that it was Trump started, started it, but then Biden didn't lift it. So, um, yeah, that was, that was stressful coming here in back in back last year was so stressful.
1: And do you think you'll stay in uh, America or do you think you'll go back to the UK long term?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm very, um, I'm very open to what the future is going to bring. I'm, I'm, I kind of want to just be flexible and be like, all right, this is where the best opportunities for me are so mm-hmm. I'll stay but I think um, if it if I start looking for you know safety and security then I might have to just go back to Europe because I, I love London I think I like London more than I like New York and I would totally move back and work there so uh, if that if they allow us I don't know what the situation would be if I was to go back to the UK because now I would no longer have that permit As I left, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think I would consider. What about you? Would you go back to Ireland?
1: No, I don't think so. Maybe when I'm older, it depends on how, (laughs) depends on how, like, you know, so there's either with comedy, there's success and then there's fame. So if I got like enough success slash fame, like if I got fame and I could live anywhere and I could just like hop on a plane, who knows, you know? Um, I don't know. I don't think. I like New York and stuff like that, but I can't imagine having a kid in New York. If I had a kid, it seems a bit like hell.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's sort of where I'm at, too, because, you know, go back to Europe and your kid would be secured for life. Right. Even if anything happened to you, they will be taken care of. There's an education system that's free and and more equal, like not entirely in the UK. It's definitely not equal, but in Denmark, I would say it is. So it would be a better place to raise a child for sure. But that's like nowhere
1: where I am in my life. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I still got like three, four years before my eggs start uh, melting away. (laughs) Well, wait, how old are you? I'll be turning 32 in October. So I guess 31 and a half.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I turned 32 back in December. Um. And it's funny because I, I went on a date with someone and he asked me um, what my timeline was for having a kid. Oh, wow. Like, timeline? I was like, well, I guess as long as the oven still works, I would like to have it before that, you know. Yeah. I'll like, bake the bread before the oven gets cold, basically.
1: And come here, was that guy Slovakian? No, no, he's uh, American. Okay, because I had a date with a guy like a long, long time ago. I ended up dating him for a while, but literally he was a Slovakian guy. But one of the first questions he asked me was like, oh, what's your timeline for a kid? And what's your five-year plan and all this stuff? And I remember being like, whoa, this is the first date. That guy asked the same questions. Is that from some book or something? I don't know. I always think it must have been the same guy because I've had thousands of dates over here before my boyfriend and no guy ever asked that they wouldn't even touch that they don't even want to have the conversation of relationship never mind
2: yeah.
1: what's your fucking it's... five-year plan so because most of them just never want to consider the, the thought of a a
2: relationship but then there are the there are these occasional guys who are like you know they have this plan in their minds and they have to stick by it and they have to check off all these points like having a kid having a relationship and a house that's just so stressful, living like that.
1: Yeah, but in one way I think um I think those two type of guys have to meet in the because we I had this like um Irish relationship, uh he like is like a matchmaker. So people come to him in Ireland when they've like used Tinder, everything and nothing else works and he said a lot of the men who come are these like forty plus men who all of a sudden are like, Oh, I wanna like settle down now and have kids but they don't want to date women their own age. They want to date women who Mm. are younger. So they have unrealistic expectations and they're, and they could be even like 50 plus, And it's like, well, what, you want to have a kid now? So he was saying like men don't think about the future good enough and they don't plan it out and they don't um, realize that really if they want to have kids, they should be thinking about it in their like early 30s and making that kind of plan. Now, I think with that guy, he didn't need to say that on the first date, but he's probably in that mindset where he's probably like, OK, well, I don't want to be I want to be this certain age when I have my kid and all that
2: yeah yeah i think that was the same case for the guy i went on a date with but i was making this joke the other day about how you know guys our age are like yeah you know i'm too young to settle down and i'm just like you're like two years away from a midlife crisis what is going you know you you need to think about these things as well but but maybe not making it a rule i feel like that's more you know living that stringently and being just um checking people off because they don't fit into a mold
1: yeah don't seem right but no absolutely that's very yeah that's very intense and um uh yeah so we got i feel like three three and a half years before we have to worry about it it's so stressful for women that we really <laughs> have to like think about it
2: for sure yeah i don't want to i don't i wish i had some big tech job that allowed me to freeze my eggs and i didn't have to worry about it because that's what they do. If you work for Apple, even your spouse can
1: get, get to just freeze their eggs. Wow. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. That's part of their... Wow, that's... Okay, maybe I'll... Okay, at 33, if things aren't working out, or like 34, I'll just go get a job at Apple. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love it. I love that confidence.
1: Yeah, each meeting I'll be like, so when can I freeze my eggs?
2: <laughs> that's really why I'm here.
1: Um. Uh- yeah. And when you uh came over from england um did it did it cost a lot to move over uh, like the the flight and everything the bringing your stuff or did you just like when i came over i just got a regular flight i uh i just brought a suitcase and i was kind of like oh i'll rebuild my life here
2: yeah i had because i had accumulated so much in the uk there's a lot that i was not willing to give up like mementos that i didn't want to just leave back so i had uh shipped off like two or three big suitcases yeah Yeah, two big suitcases to my friend's place in brooklyn uh and i had done that like a while back so that you know i knew what i had when i when i actually finally left i could just leave with a suitcase i ended up having to you know get more suitcases because you know you always have more stuff than than you think but it was just a regular flight with one extra suitcase basically yeah Um, yeah as cheap a flight as i could find i think i had like two layovers um and yeah it was i had my friend pick me up at jfk it was so lovely and i stayed with him for a month
1: that's great you had him do i know
2: him no he's not a comic he's just a medical doctor i we met uh he's just a medical doctor oh no (sighs) We met at the, uh, at at Cambridge at the university. So when I moved here, he was really helpful, and he let me just like sleep on his couch for like a whole month until I sorted out my housing. So I was really lucky to have him here.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, you need that. I was lucky too because I had like a very very distant Irish American relative um and i they were like obsessed with our family because they like found the lineage and they wanted to you know and they're like very like trying to f- like Irish Americans can like really like you know fetishize Irish people because they're like oh tell me about my people and i'm like i don't know <laughs> i watch american tv shows <laughs> so um but yeah they were very nice and let me stay with them for two months while i figured it out so it was yeah you, it's like i mean anybody coming over here if you think you're going to Try to just get an apart- apartment straight away. It's not you. Nearly need like find your distant relatives. Okay, do that twenty three and me. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: maybe that should be the the um, the advice we give people. Find your find your distant relative. Yeah. Move in with them.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and okay. tell them all the all your you know folklore and you know you, that's like your currency for for right. staying with them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't
2: um, think we don't want to be Kurdish, to be honest. Because, like, you know, if I if I find a Danish person, they're going to just look at me and they're going to be like, yeah, you're not Danish. I don't know who the hell you're fooling. Um, Ugh, that's yeah. awful. Yeah, you know. So actually we found out that Lindsay's um, family are are Danish. And I was just like, that makes so much sense. She
1: looks so much more Danish than I do. <laughs> she looks very blonde and blue-eyed, yeah. <laughs>
2: She looks so archetypically Danish, um so I don't think I could sell that. But and if I was to go for Kurdish people, yeah, I don't, I don't think that anyone would care because <laughs> we're like all spread all over the world anyway. So um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just sad.
1: Yeah, there is like for Irish people, there is like a very very helpful uh, Irish center in Long Island City and uh, and I mean they they are very the people are very nice and it's not just just for Irish people like I feel like any immigrant who comes in they're like um because I remember speaking to someone else being like oh they weren't like they were like not Irish at all but they were like yeah, I found out about it so I went in and they were very helpful but it's a, a center that you go in and they'll give you like free everything basically like if you need help with your taxes or moving over or job or how to get your social security wow. number yeah they're amazing they have comedy shows there as well and like music events um, uh, it's pretty cool actually so it's in Long Island City it's called like New York Irish uh, center or something like that, but uh, but uh, yeah, they're very helpful. So, um oh, cool. Yeah, I think if you find like you can find like organizations like that. Like if you're religious or, um, because it's funny because even with the Irish, there's like the Irish Center, but then there's like different places where like down to your county here, like there be like like Lomford Knights or whatever, and you can meet people mm. from your actual county. I didn't really do a lot of that because when I came over, I wanted to meet. People from different places. It wasn't like I didn't want to be stuck with Irish. But there is like, yeah. You know what I wanted to ask you though? So you're a neuroscientist. Yes. That's wild. So you study the brain. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm. It's okay. No, it's so cool. You know what the thing? My friend said, and maybe this is wrong, but because uh, education is so expensive in America, it's really hard for people to get a PhD to to become, like, this, um, like, super qualified in, sp- in specific areas that they actually, America, needs to bring in immigrants from, like, different countries who who were, who have the PhD. So, so like, because when Trump was going on about, like, we need to get rid of immigrants and stuff, my friends were like, well, they have us here, like, because no one else is qualified to do it because it's too expensive.
2: Yeah, and also, uh, I guess science is very international in its essence you know you the idea is you bring in people who are the best at what they do from all over the world so if you take that away then who's going to do your your science you know Columbia, harvard you know all of these big institutes that do amazing research it's not americans that do it it's uh, full of foreigners from all over the world so then they're not because they want to be like the top tier institutes in in science but they won't be if they just kick people out that's for sure not i in my institute alone i would say perhaps half of the people here are foreigners
1: yeah i used to work in this bar on the side and so um everybody who was uh uh there from oh it's a hospital but it's like all it was all uh, Im- immigrants they were all brought over to work at this hospital and I, I mean you'd rarely hear an American accent when they would come in to drink after after their like you know like their 5 p.m 6 p.m happy hour but yeah it was all immigrants I forget yeah. what oh Mount Sinai that was it
2: oh Mount Sinai yeah that makes sense I was also interviewing for jobs there uh, before I chose this place I am now
1: um oh, and what exactly is your job so what, what exactly do you do so
2: um I work on schizophrenia research. I look at molecular basis of it. So I'm, I've always been super fascinated by the brain and uh I used to work on brain aging and looking at you know some of those diseases that happen with age like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's disease and how we can sort of prevent them in a natural way. Um and now I sort of shifted onto neuropsychiatry and I'm really interested in knowing what the molecular
1: basis is uh, that work yeah when you find that out will you be able to help develop a kind of like whatever it is to to reverse schizophrenia
2: it would be more of prevention rather than reversal um because we we believe that uh, some of that happens when the when the neuro you know circuit is formed that there is um, a problem in some of those connections. That's at least our hypothesis. Um, And if that's true, then it would all happen during development. And then it might manifest later in life, but the real issue would be during your your development. So uh, then you'd have to just prevent that from happening rather than uh, reverse it. But.
1: but And so... Would development is in, like, when you're being made in the womb or development as in early childhood?
2: I guess early childhood and up until, well, your brain is really uh, forming until you're, like, 25. Oh, wow. So it would be during that process. And that's also why we know that, for instance, uh, cannabis, THC, can induce psychosis, for instance. And that's because it affects the brain while it's still maturing, right? So a lot of adolescents um experience psychosis from it which can eventually turn into, psych- into schizophrenia um and that's that's because the brain is still developing
1: I actually never smoked weed. I only smoked it once in Amsterdam um just because I it was like legal and my boyfriend at the time was kind of like we have to do it but I never did a uh, smoker because my dad well my mother has like undiagnosed like definitely serious serious mental health issues mm-hmm. uh, but, like, in Ireland, it's very much... And I feel like the generation before was... It'd be better to be crazy than to be actually labelled crazy. Mm. Um, but the... Because a, it's a bad stigma around mental health, which I'm sure is going gonna, is gonna to get better as times go on. But uh, the when my dad told me that, like... He was the one who told me that, like, weed can really affect people's mental health. I never touched it as a kid. Because I was like, if there's anything inside, I'm, like, locked up. I'm keeping it fucking locked up. If there's any, like... Yeah fucking uh, gene mental health issues you know
2: yeah absolutely and uh, same same thing here i have a lot of relatives with mental health disease which i guess is why i wanted to study it and try to understand it um because of that when i found out that there was this link and i saw it as well i saw some relatives of mine be affected by by weed and see how their psychosis went into Uh, It it started with paranoia, right? And then it turned into psychosis and then schizophrenia. So I never touched any of that until I was like 30. Because then I was like, okay, it's over for me now. My brain is fully fully matured into whatever it needs to be.
1: (laughs) That's Uh, so so interesting. You're like, okay, I'm good now. Let's get high. (laughs) I'm safe. (laughs) I still don't like it. You know,
2: it just doesn't feel right to do it
1: yeah when I did it once in Amsterdam I didn't like the feeling of feeling like wobbly or like not on like I like feeling like okay this is a couch I know it's a couch you know I don't yeah. feel like oh yeah no I don't like the unreality or in whatever that word is wait can I ask you one more thing how would they how would you plan to prevent it then in young people how would how could you isolate it then if it's just de- developing or what what how would that work out
2: yeah it's it's hard to say but we might be looking at um, gene editing, or, or preventing, or just being. Um, so there are these genetic components that we're studying. So we we believe that there are these receptors on the cell surface of neuron of the neurons um, that need to connect properly to each other, and we have identified in schizophrenia patients, bipolar patients, in autism patients that there might be a genetic link between a, a mutation in these receptors and the disease you know pathogenesis we don't quite know that's what we think is happening so if that's true if there's a, a mutation in your dna that is actually causing these receptors to not connect properly then what you could do is you could edit that right? you could gene editing is becoming more and more common now that is already is already being done by big pharma for specific kinds of diseases but if you could change that gene back to what it was supposed to be Mm -hmm. then perhaps you could um fix it before but that would mean genetic genetic testing at a very early age but and it would it would sort of be monitoring um existing patients you know to know that if they have you know, children, would they have these mutations too? It's a very long-term plan, and I don't even think we have the tools to really do that
1: properly yet. Okay, but I do think that's great because... I have another podcast called The Shift in my I don't know if you know, she's a comedian, Maria Wojcikowski, but she has bipolar. So we were just talking about because The Shift is like a Irish based podcast. Okay. Um, and uh, it, we were, you know, trying to talk about like mental health and stigma. And so she's obviously very open about it, which Irish people would never be open if they had like a mental health issue. So she was really great. But she was, um, yeah, just saying like how there's not enough research going into this and the more we talk about it the more so it's great to hear you saying that you guys are like working on it it's it's really cool yeah
2: it's it's definitely much less um it has much less attention than other fields of of brain research uh when I told my so my my professor in, in Cambridge the, the person whose lab I joined for my PhD I told him I wanted to study the molecular basis of neuropsychiatric diseases and he was like He was like, yes, you should. More people should go into that field because there just aren't enough people working on it. Um, Because, you know, a lot of what we do, it has to be translational, right? You get funding from big agencies if they can see that you might find the cure for Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease, diseases that affect a lot of people and is a huge uh, burden on society, essentially, because it affects people. It prevents people from working. It costs a lot. So for schizophrenia and those kinds of like and bipolar, you don't have a lot of funding going into these fields because um, they don't really. There's no clear way out. It's very difficult to understand. It's very difficult to actually study this stuff. So uh, we're hoping that with more newer technologies, that more and more people will get into this field and more funding will be put into it because that's really the only way that we can figure it out. Like look at COVID research, right? you had everyone in the world just yeah. working on the thing and then within like six months they had a solution
1: yeah no absolutely yeah because even like as well then if more people if there's more knowledge about it more people would be willing to come forward with either kid or b themselves to be like okay what's going on my head's a bit messed up or maybe like oh my like you know for me like my my mother and her aunt so there's definitely a history. I think with my kid, I'll 100% monitor it and be like, how are you feeling? Feeling good? <laughs> <laughs> Prevent all kinds of trauma that can be
2: triggering, you know, like keep them as safe and, and in as loving conditions as possible. Because negligence for sure is a trigger. Like that kind of trauma when you are when you feel negligence as a child can be a trigger for, for psychiatric t- diseases.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, it's, I don't know.
2: But I think the, I think the tides are turning. I think things are talking about, people are talking about this, uh, in a different way. So last weekend I had some, I might be taking in some students over the summer, some high school students to like, you know, have them in the lab and, and sort of teach them about lab work. And I was interviewing last weekend, all these kids, and there were two kids that came up to me and said, um, my brother has autism. So I really want to like join the lab and learn more. Mm. And they, they had such a good understand one of the one of the kids she was 15 and she was talking about her brother's disease and she was like people treat it as if it's a disease but it's actually more like an advantage because my brother can see colors and and he has he just uh has a different understanding of what norm is but if we were all thinking that way then that would be norm I would be like wow that is so profound and she's like 15 right and that's an inspiration. Yeah, that's the next generation. So, I think I th- I think things will be better.
1: Yeah. It's definitely not like that in Ireland, but we're usually a generation behind with stuff. <laughs> Even though right now Ireland's a little more progressive because of you know, we voted for abortion rights and here it's <laughs> becoming, but I but I think with things like that like I feel like uh the next like we're always a generation behind to be like understanding our feelings or you know positivity like when I moved over here it was all like yoga and like self-help and like that I never experienced that in Ireland and now I'm seeing it come up a bit more now where people are like you know it like oh you can do yoga and that's not embarrassing for whatever reason I don't know why we were embarrassed by it <laughs> I guess it's like the tight pants well
2: <laughs> so that's the same thing in Middle Eastern culture um, I didn't tell my mom that I was going to therapy cause I was sure she would think that I had a mental health disease. She'd be like, you, have you, have you gone crazy? All that studying and being abroad, you just crazy now. Like that would definitely be her way. Whereas my dad was more like, Oh, it's good. It's like prevention of worse things, you know? Uh, but yeah, for my mom, it would have just been like, all right, my
1: daughter's crazy now. That's it. So true. My, my dad 100% needs, uh, he's great, but like he could do a going to therapy because he's had a lot of stuff happen to him. And then he's like, we were ho- at home at the, you know, and I, I, his wife is nine years younger than him. So it's like, a, like, a definitely. And she's, she's from the city. He's from the country. So it's like, she's, it's like she's 30 years younger than him sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. And so she, when I started going to therapy, she was like, yeah, you should go. Like, if you had a sore back, you'd get your back massaged. It's good for the brain. It's just a brain massage and then we were talking about dad, and I was like, I think you need therapy. And he was like, no, no, I just block everything out, you know, whatever happened in the past. And I'm like, that's like an actual... Condition though that's like <laughs> you're meant to go to therapy for that. You have like PTSD, and he's like, no, nah, it's fine. You know, there's there's people in, and he'd be like, there's people in wherever, and he would say like a worse off place. And I'm like, that's that's also you're just diminished. You're devaluating your experience. And he's like, no, nah, it's fine. I don't want to go So that's like, yeah, it's very much like a like my sister's generation. She's like 15. will start more going to therapy. But in Ireland, it was always like a like we prided ourselves because of that freudian thing where you said the irish you can't give therapy for so like they we prided ourselves in that which mm-hmm. is awful yeah absolutely
2: that's definitely how people are in the middle east too that's how my family family is like my, my brother has the same upbringing as me same parents right same life conditions um he would be he desperately needs therapy but there's no way whatever i could say could convince him to go to therapy there's just like absolutely no way he'd do that
1: yeah, it's really hard. It's hard as well, anyway, to convince anybody to go to therapy because, uh, yeah, it always feels like like you could be like, oh, I like, a, you know, you have to be so careful the way you say it. Like I was saying to someone, someone else definitely needs therapy. And I, I go and uh, it's really cheap. It's like this Valera Health says $15 a month. And I was like, oh. You know, if this person doesn't have money, they could use this. But you have to be very careful how you say it because you have to be like, oh, well, I go and it's great. But if you're like, oh, you need therapy, someone who needs it gets really defensive. And they're like, they just like are like, what do you what are you saying? Like, what do you think there's something wrong with me? And it's like, no, it just is really (laughs) helpful.
2: It is so helpful. For the longest time, I was very I was not opposed to it, but I didn't see myself do that because I, I always knew that there were things that I needed to deal with. Um, but I kind of thought that that's what kept me going. You know, that's why I was being successful at all these things was because I had that that problem, you know, that just yeah. the pain that kept me going. And I was like, what if I go to therapy and they open Pandora's box? Either I'll get worse and I'll be a mess or I'll lose that factor that makes me who I am. Yeah. And that was like a real concern for me. And then at some point I kind of just decided, Oh, well, I'm just going to go to this counselor. You know, a counselor is not a real psychiatrist or a therapist. They'll be fine. So and then I went and it was just kind of life changing how good that felt. And it took several sessions, but by the, when I finally started doing real work, it was it was such a blessing.
1: I completely agree with you because and everybody says that. I remember my dad saying something about how like it's good to lock things up which is like so bad <laughs> um, and I was the same I thought that if they opened like like the closet door like all the shit would fall out that you've shoved in it but it's like and I I and I was so hard working and like obsessive and I thought that as well, that that was like my drive to be successful. And I will say ever since I've gone to therapy, I have more successful in comedy because I'm fucking chilled out. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was actually quite sensitive and defensive, but just because I hadn't dealt with my own issues. And then like I'm in a healthy relationship uh, and I don't feel like angry with the people I was angry with before from my childhood. I just feel like whatever, I've kind of come to terms with it. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm the same as you. Life changing. And all it took was, because this is the thing, my... It's it's not like my friend was like, but you can talk to your friends, and I'm like, no, I would never dump that private and be that vulnerable, and like also dump all that shit on a friend. With a therapist, you can just go blah, and then yeah. not feel guilty about it.
2: Yeah, and and they sort of have the tools, right? You know, um, I feel like your friends are always playing. You know, they're always on your side. They always like try to calm you down. Whereas a therapist really challenges you at times. My therapist would go. Um, you know, on something I had said on the first session, he'd bring it up on the sixth session and he'd say, On the first session, this is what you said. How do you think about what you just said in relation to that? It was just like, Whoa, that is crazy. Like, no one listens to you that intently and tries to like rationalize or understand what you're saying. Right. Whereas he was like really trying to understand where I was coming from and not pushing me, just occasionally challenging, but just letting me control the pace of what I wanted to talk about and when I wanted to talk about it so I, I really and then in, in the end you kind of realize that it doesn't have to change you you know your pain is still there it's just you learn to deal with it in a different way and come yeah. to come to peace with it yeah
1: no absolutely oh my god this is a great episode and I've definitely taken up too much of your time where can people find you Yes, I am on Instagram as Jansu,
2: this, that, spelled C-A-N-S-U-D-I-S-D-A-T. That was supposed to be a placeholder, but I kind of just like it now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like it too. I never actually even read it properly now that you're saying it. I'm like, oh, cool.
2: <laughs> it it kind of just sounds like a, like a ethnic last name. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, we didn't get to talk much about living cheap in the in new york city but i don't really know how to do that anyway
1: (laughs) oh we talked uh, a lot about moving over and i think that's interesting for people to hear and mental health okay everybody who lives in new york city needs to go to a therapist so it's just great to know about it and it's oh it's great to like advocate for so yeah 100 percent. so thank you so much thank you
2: and uh, and can i plug my show yeah plug everything it's amazing so we have we're doing this comedy show uh that just um celebrates and centers women of color and non-binary people of color uh it's called fuck it up fuck stand, standing for fems of color um and it's on may 28th 9 30 p.m at
1: the duplex oh amazing yeah and yeah every, anybody who's in new york go uh go to the show because your last show was like apparently like sold out and like the best crack and there was like well there was food too right um there's always food if people want to bring it (laughs) Wow! yeah uh remember because sabine was on your last show right uh no sabine wasn't on the last show no oh maybe she told me about it but she told me it was great it was at new york right new york comedy club and then the previous one was at the duplex which is where we'll be back yeah okay amazing okay perfect i'm gonna let you go and see you soon let's grab tea soon
2: for sure thanks for having me on the podcast
1: okay thank you so much bye (laughs) bye